0: Uh, as we start uh, this, this series on the enemy, I had a, a number of folks, um, just as I was you know, talking to different folks uh, along the way about this, this series, say, oh, you know, should, should we have a series you know, on the devil? You know, is, that, is that okay? Is that a, a good thing? Uh, you know, I mean, isn't that sort of giving him too much credit? And uh, I said, you know, it's a, it's a good question, a valid question to ask, because it, it certainly, I think, and and probably as we walk through this together, will probably cause more anxiety than less, just because we don't usually talk about the spiritual battle, we don't usually talk about um, Satan, and so it just sort of like, sort of like if you say his name, does that mean he's more present or more active? You know, those are sort of the the notions um, that we have, but uh, I, I think it's crucial. Uh, that uh, we um, understand, what, who the Bible mentions uh, over 75 times um, in Genesis and Revelation. We'll look at passages in both of those and a whole bunch in between and actually mentions him more and more as, uh, into the New Testament than into the Old. In the Old Testament, most often it's the Hebrew word uh, hasatan, which, which means uh, the, the adversary, the, the one who plots against you. In the, the New Testament, in the Greek, it's, it's devil, diabolos, um, which is um, where we get like diabolical and those kind of things. And it's the accuser, the slanderer. Uh, a great book that I'll probably quote from a couple times in this series is called The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. It's a short one. If you've never read it, great time to pick it up and read it in these uh, next four weeks. Um, but he his, has a great quote about the necessity of understanding our um, enemy. Uh, he, uh, he, he says that there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devil's. One is to disbelieve in their existence, the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors, and hail a materialist or magician with the same delight. The materialist is one that says the only thing that really exists is the material. The stuff that we can see, taste, and feel. Yeah, there is no spiritual reality beyond that. And the magician is the one who says everything is spiritual. There is no physical uh, reality. And so he loves to, uh, the, the devil loves, our enemy loves for us to be in one of those camps or the other because both are a lie. And, and it's important, one of the things that's important is if we recognize that we are in a battle and that there is an enemy and that enemy opposes the work of God, then we want to know that enemy. I mean, any team, any athletic team studies the other team to, to know their opponent before they enter into the, the field of battle or the game of play. Another uh, interesting um, book that I've just been reading little bits and pieces of. It's called The Art of War. And those of you that are military historians and stuff, you probably have the thing memorized. Um, But it was written in 400 B.C. And this is a a, a Chinese general, Sun Tzu. If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. And if you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. So it's important for us as followers of Christ in this world to know, one, that, yeah, we are in a battle, and who is our enemy? The passage we'll look at a couple times. You'll even read it this week. It is in Ephesians six, where Paul tells us, the apostle Paul says, "Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but our battle is against the spiritual powers of evil in the heavenly places." It's not only important that we know who our enemy really is, but then we know what our enemy is about as we fight him. Now, it's interesting. I saw. Um, uh, And looking at this, you know, that um, there's a big article this week about Home Depot, you know. And if you used, I got an email from them, you know, if you used a a credit card with Home Depot, that hackers evidently got into, you know, Home Depot and got credit card numbers, ah, 56 million different, you know, credit card numbers to use. And, uh, um, you know, uh, hackers like that can get a really good job now with the government or computer security firms. Because they're trying, they, they, they have hack gatherings in every city. One I read about was Hack Miami, where they brought together 150 of the best hackers they could and said, Listen, you guys go at it, fight and struggle. You know, I want you to hack. Uh, The government um, computers want you to hack these businesses. And then they just watched them and they studied them. And and that way they knew what what the enemy was trying to do. And I'm telling you, if that's you, if you're a hacker, you can get six figures working for the government now because they want you to come in and help them know what the enemies are trying to do as they try to hack into the computer systems uh, around us. So it's essential, really important that we recognize one, that we're in a battle, and two, who our enemy is and what our enemy is about. So our first passage is in Genesis chapter 2, the very beginning. Um, chapter 2, starting with verse uh, 15. And this, this is the, the, the events of creation, the events of the, the beginning of God creating heaven and earth. Everything is very good. He's created Adam at this point where we pick it up, and He's giving him some instruction. Um, it's Genesis chapter 2, starting with verse 15. It's on page 2 in your pew Bible, or you can follow along on the screen. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your written Word. Um, Continue to help us speak to us uh, through the power of your Holy Spirit that we would hear what is right and true and good. We want to, to hear what best prepares us to bring you glory and honor and to oppose the work of the enemy in our midst. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, uh, chapter 2, starting with verse 15, and then we'll uh, read a couple verses, and then we'll read, jump into chapter 3. So, after all of creation, Adam's getting his, some of his marching orders. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Okay, and then after that, God creates Eve, creates woman. And then he will pick that up then right in chapter um, 1. After, so man and woman are created. Everything is very good. They see they are with one another. And, and they are totally unashamed in perfect intimacy with one another and with God. And then we pick up chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? Oh, now right there. Right there we get a sense that this serpent, the one that we'll later find out is the devil, is Satan. He's there to put a wedge between God and humans. He's there to, to question the love, to test the love. He's, he's there to, to dispel, to, to malign God. He's, he's there to, to, to keep that trust and that obedience, that, that love from, from forming. Setting a, just a little bit of a doubt. Did God really say that? Chapter 2, or verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, "You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden; nor shall you touch it, or you shall die." Now, so here at this stage, the the woman she knows what is right. I mean, she gets it it right. Uh, Maybe a little bit of adding something that you're not supposed to touch it, uh, but that's uh, really sort of immaterial. She knows what she's supposed to do. So it's interesting here to note that it's not just a matter of knowledge. It's not just a matter of knowing what um, is right. Right? Uh, which I'll, for the, the students, the, the Bibles, we just gave to the fourth graders. You know, we all sign them. Um, Morgan signs them, I do, and the Shies do. And mine, I always sign it, Matthew 7, 24. Because Matthew 7, 24 is where Jesus says, Be a wise builder, not a foolish builder. The wise builder, the foolish builder is the one who reads the word. And the wise builder is the one that reads the word. They both read it. They both know it. The foolish builder is the one who reads it and doesn't do it. The wise builder is the one who reads it and then does it. So it's not just a matter of winning Bible trivia or sword drills. If you remember sword drills in those days, it really so it's not a matter just of knowledge. She had the right idea here. All right. Now then, so four, verse four and five, but the serpent said to the woman, you shall not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Uh, So now, the the evil one, our enemy, has planted a real doubt, driven a real wedge between us and God. Uh, Saying, you know, God doesn't really have your best interests at heart. what What the enemy is doing is undermining our trust in God. And saying, you know, you know, really, what is best for you, better than God does. You and you alone have your best interest at heart. God just wants to keep heaven for himself. But if you eat of this, then you get to join him. You get to be like God. Impugning the character of God and feeding our self-importance. Telling us that what God wants really is not what is best, is not what is most loving, is not what is truly good. And so then she bites. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. So recognize that the serpent, the enemy is the one that's tempting, but it's Adam and Eve's responsibility. That then they choose to disobey what God said and follow the words of the enemy. You know, and it's interesting here, uh, too, uh, that you know, Adam all of a sudden shows up. But we're told in the passage, he's been there all along. You know, wh- well, where was he in verse 1? You know, why didn't he say something then? But he just sat there silently. A good buddy of mine says, yeah, I think he was on the couch with the remote. But silently throughout. Friends, they did not realize the battle they were in. They thought it was just a little playground skirmish. Just a little deal about fruit out in the trees. They did not realize the battle, and so E Adam sat there silently ignoring all that was going on. We are in a battle. A battle to to follow after the ways of Jesus. It's not a playground skirmish, and in a battle, we need one another. I mean we need one another to to speak up to help, to encourage to to close the doors that need to be closed, to open the doors that need to be opened, to, to pick one other one another up to get us going when we need to get going and to stop us when we need to stop. It's not just me and my own self because if it's just me against the enemy, I'm losing. Together we need to fight this battle. I read an article in a a really interesting book about crucial conversations that we need to have. And and the article is talking about a a surgery that that went bad. The the surgeon came into the surgery room. Everybody was there and all the staff and all the rest. and And the patient was there. And the patient was there needing surgery on her jaw. But the surgeon came in mistaken thinking that she needed surgery on her ankle. And so he did surgery on her ankle. All the while, seven people surrounding and assisting and helping who knew full well that this woman needed surgery on her jaw, and they didn't say anything. You know, I mean, that's the sin of Adam. That's the sin of us that we're, you know, we don't realize we're in a battle. And so we sit back just sort of silently and watch as. Because we just sort of think we're on a lazy river cruise. And the enemy comes in and leads us to the very place that leads to death. When what God longs for is to lead us to life. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Here they were, the one who is the lover of their soul, the one who is their very creator. The one who we know will later send his own son to die for their sins. To take our place. And they were hiding from the very lover of their soul. The enemy comes to place a wedge between us and God. That's really his sole purpose. What I, I, I think the best word for the enemy today is a pimp. He's trying to pimp anything that he can. He's trying to get you and me to love anything else but God. To put anything else before God. What God longs for is our love. God God created us to love Him, to trust Him, to, to seek Him, to obey Him, to serve Him. That is what God created us for. And so the enemy comes in, in guerrilla warfare tactics. Knowing that the war is lost, but in any way possible to throw grenades at that. Just to take a chunk out of it, to put a wedge in. And the enemy doesn't care what you love. He doesn't really want you to love him. Doesn't care. Just wants you to love anything else but God. Now, that love can be things that are bad. But more often in this crowd, it's not things that are bad, it's things that are good. Things like family, or nation, or sports, or intelligence, or even beauty. We can love and want those. More than we want God, and that's the enemy at work. You know, the most prominent one is money, power. We can love health more than we love God. Yes, you know, so there's a whole bunch of good things that the enemy will use. Remember, we'll see as we go through this series. We're going. This is a three week deal, and the, the angel comes, or the evil enemy comes as an angel of light. Dressed like an angel of light. He, he uses deceiving works of power to steer us away from the one who truly wants to give us life. Yeah, a pimp in every way seeking us, seeking to make us adulterers from the love of our life. Now, I know those are pretty harsh words. And some of you, that might be the first time I've ever heard that in church before. Um, well, this is a battle. And this is the stark reality of this vicious enemy. You, you see this all the more in the end of the, the Scriptures, in Revelation chapter 12, one of the places where we see it's chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 7, on page 1001. Now, this gives a picture here, using vivid language of this, this horrific Malicious battle that we are in, um, using uh, the imagery of a, a dragon, who clearly states in the text that you'll see, who represents the ancient serpent, the devil, the and Satan. You know that it's all wrapped up in this one who we'll see in this passage is is a, um, a, a spiritual being in the heavens with other spiritual beings following him. You know, it's the whole notion of the the, the enemy with the the, the Host of the army of demons and all the rest. Well, it comes from a passage, you know, like, like this. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back. But they were defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. The great dragon was thrown down. That ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. The deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven proclaiming, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our comrades has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. But they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they did not cling to life even in the face of death. Rejoice then, you heavens and those who dwell in them, but woe to the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you with great wrath because he knows that his time is short. So, yeah, pretty vicious destructive picture of one is monstrous you know and vile again yeah you know, this is not a you know a playground skirmish Th- this is a war for the ages in the war of all of creation and the, the, the evil one is then working in our midst. He's wounded. It's like a wounded dog. You know, a dog gets hurt a snap even at its owner. Well, it's like a guerrilla warfare. I mean, knows that they can't win the war, but going to take out everybody that they can. That's the picture of this enemy of God who works to oppose the very purposes of his creation. Now, I want to look at Daniel chapter 10 real quick. Um, just uh, you note know, a couple of things. You notice Michael is mentioned here, just as he was in Revelation. But this is an interesting picture of a vision that Daniel has as he's in Babylon. You know, so he's he's a follower of God, and he's having this vision, and an angel appears to him, and in this, and it's just one of these peaks behind the veil as we look into the spiritual reality that that goes on in, in Daniel and in in Persia as Daniel is is seeking to. He's he's asking for God's help, and this is a vision that that comes to him. Um, uh, It's on page 727 in your pew Bible, or um, Daniel 10, starting with verse 8. So I was left alone to see this great vision. My strength left me, and my complexion grew deathly pale, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and when I heard the sound of his words, I fell into a trance, face to the ground. But then a hand touched me and roused me to my hands and knees. He said to me, Daniel, greatly beloved, pay attention to the words that I'm going to speak to you. Yeah, that's sort of like, duh, <laughs> I'm in a trance and you're, you know, I'm seeing you as an angel. I'm going to pay attention. Stand on your feet, for I've now been sent to you. So while he was speaking this word to me, I stood up trembling and he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. Now here's the interesting part. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, now often the prince of this world is called the enemy. And here prince is like an authority Uh, as, As in powers and authorities, spiritual powers and authorities. The prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me 21 days. So Michael, who we also saw in Revelation, one of the chief princes came to help me. And I left him there with the prince of the kingdom of Persia and have come to help you understand what is to happen to your people at the end of days. For there is a further vision for those days. A you know, fascinating picture of the, the spiritual battle that goes on, of these uh, princes, uh, the, the, these spiritual powers over geographical areas in the midst of battle coming to help Daniel in, in the midst of his travail. Now maybe at this stage, You're saying, okay, so there's a battle, and there's this spiritual reality, even with, with princes, with Michael, Angel, and Michael, and all this kind of stuff, and dragon. Why? You know, why not just eliminate him? Why is there an enemy? Why not just eliminate that enemy? I think in God's wisdom and power, His ultimate goal is for you and me to be transformed. To be more and more like Christ. To grow into a deep faith. Into a thick love for Him and for our neighbor. And that kind of growth won't happen in me or you unless we have resistance. If indeed faith and love is like a muscle... We need resistance for it to grow. And God superintends overseeing the, even the work of our enemy in his brilliance and in his almighty power so that that resistance is there to help us grow and mature deeper in faith and in love. As the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, everything works to good for those that follow him. And that good, as he says a few verses later, is that we are transformed more and more like Christ. That our faith grows deeper and our love grows thicker. You know, one of the big problems if you go into zero gravity with astronauts is there's no resistance. All your muscles will atrophy because you don't have anything to have to push and, and pull. And God is at work even overseeing superintending the enemy to redeem his work so that we might grow in faith and in love and trust in him. The very purpose that the evil one has, God uses to flip it around and turn it upside down. Now, I know just venturing into this, talking about the spiritual battle, the things that we can't see and feel that are going on um, around us is one that can easily cause anxiety and worry and it's real easy to jump to that place where uh, under every rock we see a demon. i want to leave you, again, you know, we're, we're gonna, next week we'll talk about how the enemy attacks us. Yeah, and then the, the, the week after that we're going to talk about how, with more detail, how the enemy is defeated. How the war has been won. And these are just, you know, these are battles that go on. But the war has been won at the cross. We'll talk about that in two weeks. And then the last week, we'll talk particularly about the armor of God and how do we engage in the battle. But the first thing today is just to recognize yeah, there is an enemy. Who is real? Who is vicious? And who is at work trying to attack anything that God does that is good? But I want to leave you with this, this last passage in 1 John chapter 4. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So It's a key thing there. You know, In the midst of all things, our, our knee-jerk reaction is what Brian was doing with us earlier. Just shout out Jesus. Jesus, Help! You know, if we're, we're in the middle of, of things in this week, we know this is our center. This is our foundation, that Jesus came from God. Verse uh, 3. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you've heard that it is coming. And now it is already in the world. Little children, you are from God and have conquered them. For the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. To take that with you as we we venture these four weeks, know that it's important that we recognize there is an enemy who is at work and that we understand what we can of that enemy, but that we know above all else that the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. Uh, so, uh, this week, you, you also have a handout, and it gives you some more, some of the passages we've looked at, and some other passages that you can read through and bring before the Lord, helping to uh, help us to understand um, the enemy and seek God's Spirit to work, to know how to battle the uh, enemy at work in our lives. Um, I got a, a lot of feedback from you uh, last week, which I greatly appreciated, and you said, you know, the long, thin one, paper, is a little harder to handle, so we put it on cardstock, made it a little smaller, maybe easier to... Stick in your Bible. Some of you also said that uh, you uh, it'd be helpful if you could do it electronically. Well, when uh, we put the sermon on the website, we'll have the PDF there on the website with it, so you can go um, right there and uh, get it there. Um, and some of you said, you know, this handout's really good. The problem is with me, um, and uh, you know, I appreciate your honesty, and and I hope. A little bit of reality therapy of saying, we're in a battle. This is not just a little cocktail cruise. You know, a a, a lazy river ride. So, it's important. What's more important? what's, What's more important than gathering regularly with God and His Word? So I appreciate your honesty, and I I don't want to shame you. I don't want to beat you up. I just want to encourage you. I just want to say, listen, man, what God wants from the beginning has been life. Intimacy with Him and with one another. And if we go our own way, we're going the way of Eve and Adam. And it doesn't lead to that intimacy and that life, but the way of God does. So I can't think of any more life-giving Habit than, than gathering at the well of God's truth and drinking of his love and meeting with him and with his people regularly. One of the other weapons, the way that we enter into the battle, is through prayer. And that's why regularly that we gather and pray together. That we seek God together to, to fight the evil that goes on around us. The work of the evil one who comes to oppose us through, all, through disease, through sickness, through, through sin, uh, through joblessness, through poverty, um, through love of, of all the, the, the good things of this world more than our love of God. And so we regularly seek Him in prayer um, together, so let's let's do that now. Gracious God, thank you for your written word that speaks to us of your truth. We hear the, the words of your angels to Daniel. We take them on for our own. Don't be afraid. We hear the word of, of John, for the one who is in you is the one who is, uh, is, is greater than he who is in the world. And we rejoice in that. We, we celebrate your almighty power. We celebrate your love. We praise you for your wisdom. And we give ourselves to you, longing to, to grow in trust, in love, in service, in obedience. To you for we know that that leads to life. And, and gracious God, we pray your, your hand at work um, in um, different ways where folks are uh, around us in, in who are facing disease and illness, who are facing broken relationships. We are facing real challenges in their, their lives and in and addiction. And, and we know that the, the enemy is at work feeding that, that fire. And we pray for your hand to provide the, the healing that only you can bring. Continue to lift up to you Don Kuyper at University Hospitals. He recovers from a motorcycle accident. We lift up to you the family of, of Evelyn White and the family of Paul Duncan who both died last week. We, we pray your, your hand upon them that, that you would bring a peace that is beyond understanding. That they know and live into the fullness of the hope of the resurrection of Jesus who indeed has conquered sin and death. We lift up one another to you. Others, uh, burdens that we share, we lift them before you. Relationships in need of reconciliation. Healing and wholeness. We seek you. And we join now in, in one voice seeking to be your church without walls, to be the people you've called us to be, to join with one another arm in arm, shields up against the work of the enemy, but empowered by you, fighting the battles that you're calling us to, for the fullness of your glory. Hear us as we pray. Dear God, Make us into Your community for Your glory. Connect us in Jesus no matter our differences. Lead us to serve the world like Jesus no matter the cost. Help us to celebrate You no matter the circumstances. We need You, Holy Spirit, to empower us for greater works than Jesus. Amen.